0: Welcome to How To Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Welcome to the Liturgical Lowdown for the month of September. I'm your host, Lisa Cotter, And on this episode, I'll be giving you insights, histories, and ideas on how to celebrate and integrate the liturgical life of the Catholic Church into your own life this month. If this is your first time listening in on a liturgical lowdown, scroll back to Season 4, Episode 4, How to Liturgical Living, and give it a listen to get the most out of this episode. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Hey, hey, it's Lisa, and it is time for another liturgical lowdown. I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm sorry if I sound funny, but the show must go on, as they say, whoever they are. And I just love doing these, so, you know, a little cold's not going to stop me. So here we are, September, our third liturgical lowdown, for the How To Catholic Podcast, and I hopefully have some new insights and ideas for you for this month for celebrating the church in your home. So let's dive in here. This month, our monthly devotion for the month of September is Our Lady of Sorrows. Now, that actual feast day will be celebrated this month on September 15th, but the whole month is dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows, so you can Meditate and contemplate it together this entire month. Now, this feast, not feast, this uh, devotion, this month is kind of similar to last month's devotion, which was to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But rather than looking at the interior life of Mary as a whole, this month is just focused on the seven sorrows of Mary. So, those sorrows again are number one, the prophecy of Simeon, number two, the flight into Egypt. Number three, the loss of the child Jesus in the temple. Number four, Mary meets Jesus on his way to Calvary. Number five, the crucifixion and death of Jesus. Number six, the body of Jesus is taken down from the cross. And number seven, the burial of Jesus. So devotion to this Our Lady of Sorrows, to these seven sorrows, dates all the way back to the 14th century when it was uh, first revealed to St. Bridget of Sweden who lived from 1303 to 1373. And that devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary's several, uh, seven sorrows was promised to bring about great graces to those who, who um, remembered her sorrows, particularly through praying the chaplet, or sometimes it's called the rosary, but technically it's the chaplet of the seven sorrows of Mary. Now this chaplet has seven decades, one for each sorrow, and for each decade you pray seven Hail Marys. There's actually a particular type of um, rosary type bead that you, you know, like a bead of a string of beads. I don't know how I'm trying to explain it. Um, It looks like a rosary, but there's, you know, like seven Our Father type medals, and then there's seven beads between each one. So I'll put a link to where you could buy a seven sorrows chaplet. Um, and I'll also put a link to how to pray it because there's more than just the seven Hail Marys, as you can imagine, kind of like a divine mercy chaplet. It's kind of a, a unique way of praying um, a more rote prayer. And Mary has asked us to pray that. So it was given to St. Bridget in the Middle Ages, but you might not have heard of it. It wasn't very popular, and maybe today still isn't as popular. But in the 1980s, it really, awareness of it came back through Our Lady of Kibeho. And if you aren't familiar with Our Lady of Kibeho, it's a Marian apparition that took place in the 1980s in Kibeho, Rwanda. Um, The apparitions have been approved by the Vatican, in particular um, three of the visionaries. Um, So there were 16 girls and one boy who Mary appeared to between 1981 and 1989. And um, one of those visionaries included a teen girl by the name of Marie Claire. And Our Lady told Marie Claire, um, I want my children to be praying the rosary and the chaplet of Our Lady of Sorrows. And so when Mary spoke that to Marie Claire, she shared that with the world. And so I know that's a very popular devotion in Africa um, with Our Lady appearing there in Africa. What's interesting about this apparition as well is that many, many will say, when you look at it, it very much foretells the Rwanda genocide, which occurred in 1994. And what's interesting about this connection here is that Marie Claire herself and her husband were actually murdered in the genocide then in 1994. So if you're not familiar with it, I really um, suggest that you look up and and learn about Our Lady of Cubejo, and maybe even one day you could go to that Marian apparition site and see the place where she was appearing to these at-the-time school children. I'm going to also link to a craft that you can do if you've got kids. It's a Catholic icing craft, Catholic icing. I'm not sure if I've used them yet on these liturgical lowdowns, but um, Lacey does a ton of crafts, and it's just a very simple download. You can print it out. Your kids can color, cut it out, and write the seven sorrows on these seven different little teardrops to teach them about um, the seven sorrows of Mary and then the chaplet and so on. Some actions you could take this month would be to place an image of Our Lady of Sorrows on your altar. Looks a lot like an Immaculate Heart of Mary image. Usually the Immaculate Heart of Mary image just has one sword. Um, Kind of the the difference that maybe makes it more in Our Lady of Sorrows is the seven swords. So there are a lot of various images with seven swords that you could um, switch out. If you have right now an Immaculate Heart on your altar, you can switch out the one-sworded Mary for the seven-sworded Mary. So there you go. And also, if you're not familiar with the Rwanda genocide or Our Lady of Gibeho, this would be a great month to read up on that as um, we learn more about and uh, pray more through Our Lady of Sorrows this month the Pope's intention for this month. um, Yeah, I know it's kind of a little awkward. I know uh, it's in September 2018, um, as I'm recording this, and there's a lot going on right now in the papacy that's very challenging and going on in our church, and a lot of questions are rising up. Um, But I'm still going to share his monthly intention, um, despite just kind of the craziness that's going on, because prayer is good, and um, you can tell that this prayer was thought through because the prayer for this month, not that the other ones weren't thought through either, but you'll see the connection here, the prayer for this month is a universal prayer, and it is for young people in Africa. Uh, The prayer, uh, the intention is that young people in Africa may have access to education and work in their own countries. So that is still a great good to be praying for, and I think maybe in light of it being the month of Our Lady of Sorrows, there may have been a connection there in choosing this month to be the month to pray for young people in Africa. So some actions that you can take this month as as you're praying uh, that intention would be to write the intention on a chalkboard, dry erase board, letter board, place it in your prayer space. This so also would be a great month to support an African mission, especially one that focuses on education as the particular prayers for education and work uh, for young people. And I'm going to link to a place, it's a, it's a from Catholic Relief Services, CRS. It's a fair trade guide. Um, this would be a great month to support fair trade items from Africa and support those who are working in Africa. All right, time for the feast for this month. Time for a deep dive. First, we're going to go through a few deep dive, then list some others of note. And again, I'm not going to list every single feast day that's out there because there are a lot of them. So I'm just pulling out some of the the oldies but goodies and some of the newer ones that um, are more known to us at this time. So first one would be a very known saint, very well known saint, Saint Mother Teresa. Her feast day is on September. Fifth, and you're actually not going to see it yet on the general Roman calendar so if you get that calendar from your uh, archdiocese and you know it gives you the feast days it's likely that St. Mother Teresa is not on there yet she's a very new saint so it might just not have been integrated but September 5th is her chosen feast day from her canonization which was um, not too long ago it was either last year or the year before 2016 or 2017 Uh, 2016 yeah All right, well, she is the uh, founder of the Missionaries of Charity. She's a winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. She was friends with Pope St. John Paul II. We're all familiar with her work with the poorest of the poor in India. Um, So there's quite a bit out there for how to celebrate her feast day with the recent canonization. Um, First of all, if you want to pray uh, some forms of prayer with Mother Teresa on that day, MotherTeresa.org has an entire page dedicated to prayer. So I will link to that. Um, some of her favorite prayers, some of her personal prayers, there's an Ovida to her, there's prayers through her for her intercession, all that is there. So you, if you want to um, pray in particular with Mother Teresa, through Mother Teresa on her feast day, I'll link to that. There are some great children's books out there on Mother Teresa. I will link to a couple of those as well as there's a chapter book on her and a glory story, which is a, a children's audio CD. I'll link to where you can purchase that. Um, and there's the movie. Mother Teresa, There's actually a couple of movies about Mother Teresa, I believe. But the most recent one, if you have an Amazon Prime membership, you can watch it for free, which is pretty fantastic. So you can watch it for free via Amazon Prime. You can also rent it for $1.99 or buy the digital copy for $2.99. So, you know, that's kind of not a bad deal at all. Um, I do love that movie, the Mother Teresa movie. I will link to that as well and food for this feast day if you want to get festive in your eating. This is a great day to eat some Indian food because Mother Teresa served in India even though she was Albanian by birth. She served in India, particularly in Calcutta. She's known for um particularly Calcutta. And a fun kind of more festive, not festive, more um I don't know, sweet kind of food. Um, I'm going to link to Catholic Cuisine has a recipe for chai spiced cupcakes. And with that recipe, there's a downloadable cupcake topper and wrapper. And we made those on her canonization day. (laughs) And funny story, actually took them to our neighbors with the toppers and the wrappers on. And we were like, haha, we're the weird Catholics. And we made these for the feast day of Mother Teresa. Welcome to the neighborhood. They never really talked to us after that. Um, Probably wasn't the best lead in, but you know, hey, maybe you can make little cupcakes for Mother Teresa with the toppers and take them to somewhere where they'll be appreciated. But who, who knows? Maybe they actually were like, that's really cool. I have no idea. They had just moved in. Maybe they were overwhelmed. I know what that's like. Anyways, moving on. September 8th. September 8th is the birth of Mary, which is a feast day. So yes, it's Mary's birthday. Great day for any awesome Marian prayer. The Hail Mary, the Memorare, the Hail Holy Queen, the Rosary. Pick your favorite. Also a great day to, uh, with, if you have kiddos, make a rosary craft. There are tons of ways you can make rosaries using beads, using rope. Um, and kind of a, I mean, a traditional thing that we do on people's birthdays is we bake a cake. So go ahead and bake a cake for Mary and celebrate Mary's birthday and sing her happy birthday. I'm sure she'll hear you from heaven. You could even decorate the house with balloons and streamers just like you would for anybody else, uh, particularly blue and white, because those are Mary's colors. And the last thing I'll mention for Mary's birthday is a radio show called Cat Chat, cat meaning Catholic. And yes, there's a cat on the show. I cannot remember the cat's name at the moment, but there's a a whole CD. It's about an hour long radio show, um, which you can download from iTunes as well for like 10 bucks called mary leads me closer to jesus it's got stories and songs and it's all about mary so that might be a fun one to get to put into your itunes library or your music library uh, to have for the kids to listen to and learn about mary especially on her birthday next feast day of note is september 14th which is a feast day it's the exaltation of the holy cross there's a lot to say on this okay so first of all the exaltation of the holy cross is, <clears throat> excuse me, one of four Ember Day markers. So I don't think I've ever mentioned Ember Days before, but Ember Days are an old tradition, as in like, yes, like a thousand years ago, they were doing Ember Days. And um, it's three days of prayer and fasting. And they these days of prayer and fasting happen after these for a particular feast days. So the days that you pray and fast are on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. After September 14th, which is the exaltation of the cross, December 13th, which is St. Lucia, St. Lucy, and then after Ash Wednesday, and after Pentecost. So there's one for each season. These days that were demarcated as days of prayer and fasting in the church um, for each season. It also used to be the time when they would do ordinations, uh, interestingly enough. Now we just do them pretty much during Easter. So I'm not going to get into that because there's so much I could say on Ember Days, but if you want to go super old school, check out Ember Days. Um, and the month of September is a time where there are Ember Days. Now, onto the feast day itself. This is a, a really cool feast day, um, and there's a lot going on here. Um, first of all, for, first and foremost, we're commemorating Jesus's victory over death. We're looking at, you know, the doors of heaven being opened and death no longer being death, but being a sign of, of life with Christ, uh, crucified and then resurrecting. So the victory of the cross is really what we're looking at. There's also a lot of historical events that are brought to mind today. So the first one would be the discovery of the true cross by St. Helen, who was the mother of the Emperor Constantine back in 320. Um, the, 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 tradition or or the protocol I guess you could call it at the time of the Romans when Jesus was crucified is that you would bury the crucifixion instruments at the site of the crucifixion and so people knew that Jesus's cross his nails his crown of thorns all those things had been buried and so they would pilgrim to that site at Calvary and they would pray there and of course the Romans got annoyed with this because it was helping the faith to grow so they built a temple to Venus over the site where Jesus had been crucified, which actually backfired because what it did is it preserved these items from water because there was this you know, slab protecting it for the base of this temple to Venus and all these items were being preserved. And so despite this temple, Christians knew what was under it. They knew what had happened there. And so, you, of course, that was passed down through the years. And so then, after uh, Constantine legalized Christianity, became a Christian himself, his mother Saint. Helen said, "Let's tear down that temple to Venus and let's find these relics, these items and that's what she did. They dug it up, they found all of the items of the crucifixion um, just as just as you know we read about, and and of course, there were three crosses because Jesus was buried or not buried was crucified with the the two thieves. And so the tradition goes that, um, I don't even know if it's tradition, I, I believe this to be true, um, is that St. Helen took the three crosses um, to a dying, a person who was dying, I believe it was a woman, and touched the crosses to this woman, and the first two crosses nothing happened, and then when she touched the third, the wood of the cross from the third cross, the woman, um, you know, was miraculously healed and, and was all better. So that's how St. Helen knew that that was the true cross that Jesus had been crucified on. <coughs> that sneeze was a long time coming. I'm, I'm so sorry I have this cold here. Okay, this is real life. Moving on. So second event that is brought to mind today happened a few hundred years later. And... Um, so the Persians stole the cross um, because they knew it was important. And then in, in 629, Emperor Heraclius recovered it and brought it back. So it was stolen, but fortunately they found it. So um, this is believed, this event is believed to be the origination of this feast day. So this particular feast day goes all the way back to 629. Um that's kind of when we start, you know, in the history, start first hearing about this, this Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross. So um, the story behind it, too, is that he he carried, he himself, as the emperor said, I'm going to carry the cross back to Jerusalem on his shoulders. And perhaps he had help. I'm assuming he did. But anyways, he was carrying the cross. Um, but he was wearing these fine clothes and all these gems and stones. And so when they cut to the base of Calvary, like he just, like they couldn't go anymore. It was just like something was holding them back. And somebody was like, maybe you don't look like Jesus. Like maybe you can't carry this cross in your riches. Maybe you need to like carry it in your poverty. So he put on this penitential garb and then was able to continue and take the cross back. They took it back to its its um, original spot first. So kind of cool story. But that is the history behind the feast of the exaltation of the cross. So some ways to celebrate today. Um. Lots of ways you can pray the mysteries of the crucifixion and the resurrection, uh, contemplating both the death and resurrection, the victory of the cross there. You can pray the stations of the cross, beautiful day for that. And also a beautiful day to pray a prayer before a crucifix. And I will link to a uh, particular just a prayer that you would say. It's a shorter prayer before a crucifix. might be something easy to do today in remembrance of this feast day today. Another thing you can do is hang a crucifix up in your home if you haven't done that yet or uh, maybe just over your front door or your bed or uh, hang up a new crucifix. It's a great day to add a crucifix to your home. For the kiddos, there are tons of cross crafts that you could do. I'm just going to link to a Pinterest board that has 196 options. So you can pick your favorite if you've got kids and you'd like to make a cross craft on this feast day. Some books. This is a great day to read The Tale of Three Trees, um, whether you're a kid or not. It's such a great book. It's this story about the three trees, and they all have different aspirations in life. One gets turned into a manger, one gets turned into a boat, and one gets turned into the cross for Jesus, Um, if you're familiar with that. If you're not, you should go to the library. I don't care if you have kids or not. You should go to the library and get The Tale of Three Trees and read it on this day. There's also a couple of books about St. Helen and the cross, the queen and the cross and then St. Helen and the true cross, which is a chapter book. So I will link to both of those. And finally, well, two more things. There's a lot you can do on this day activities. Um, this is really like a little kid activity, but it's just so cute that I have to put it out there. It's a great, a great day just to go on a cross treasure hunt and be like St. Helen. You could gather up some crosses from around your house and hide them throughout the house, kind of like Easter eggs and let the kids go find the crosses and talk about how St. Helen found the cross of Jesus Uh, also it'd be a cool day just to look at the various types of crosses and I will link to a uh, to a website that has I mean there's just so many different ways that we depict the cross and there's meaning behind all of those so I will link to that that might be a cool thing to do with your older kids is look through that website and talk about the different crosses and their meanings finally food Uh, hot cross buns would be appropriate for today and then anything that's cross-shaped. I know there's cake pans that come in cross shapes. I know you can get cookie cutters in cross shapes. You could cut your kids sandwich into a cross for school. They might be like, Mom, you're so weird. That's fine. Really, anything you want to do. And then a kind of funky tradition is to use basil on this day um, because it's uh, the tradition holds that sweet basil grew all over the hillside where St. Helen found the true cross. So maybe it would be a great day to make some pesto before the weather turns and you... Lose your pesto plant if you have one. So there you go. Next feast day is September 23rd, the Feast of St. Padre Pio. uh, In 2018, when I'm recording this now, that's a Sunday, so you're not going to see it on the calendar. Um, But it is his feast day. He's more of a modern saint. He's an Italian mystic who had the stigmata. Um, He could bilocate. He was a healer. One of his more famous healings was the story of a little girl named Gemma who was born blind and she didn't have any pupils on her eyes. But after she visited Padre Pio, she miraculously gained her sight. But the crazy part is is she didn't gain pupils so she could see without pupils and people were totally, you know, crazed out by that for good reasons. So Padre Pio, that's just one of his many, 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 many healing miracles. Prayer for today, Uh, I love his Stay With Me Lord prayer, which is a prayer for after communion. I will link to that. Maybe you could uh, take a picture of that on your phone and pray that if you go to Mass on his feast day. I'll link to a couple of books. There's some children's books on Padre Pio, and there's also a great adult series, Um, and Great, I say that because it's got like tons of reviews and massive five-star ratings. Um, It's called Pray, Hope, and Don't Worry, True Stories of Padre Pio, book one and two. So there's so much that he did, so many true stories that there's two books on it. So if you just want to like pick me up and just read miraculous stories and beautiful stories about healing and hope, this would be a great book to grab, one and two. And just, uh, yeah, remember that God is faithful. Last thing here there's a movie Padre Pio Miracle Man Um, you can also get it free on Amazon Prime so Amazon Prime for the win this month you can also get it free on formed.org so I will link to both of those and then for the kids there's a My Catholic Family Padre Pio episode and if you want to go for the home run definitely have Italian because he was Italian for dinner or go get yourself a cappuccino because he was a capuchin. Anytime it's a Capuchins feast day, go get a cappuccino because that's just fun. The last deep dive for this month is September 29th, which is the feast of Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, our three archangels. So Gabriel was the angel who announced to Zechariah the upcoming birth of John the Baptist and to Mary the upcoming birth of Jesus. Michael is our warrior angel who fights the devil and evil. He's often the one with the you know the statue slaying the devil who's beneath his feet with a sword. And then Raphael, who's the angel who took care of Tobias while he was on his journey, um, which is chronicled in the book of Tobit, which the Protestants removed from their Bible, which is such a shame because it's such a good book. If you've never read the book of Tobit, it's a bit more like a novel than some of the other books in the Bible, so I would definitely suggest, um, if you've never read Tobit, to go back and read it. Now, this feast used to just be for Michael, and the other angels had their own feast day, but they combined them all. Um, but you also might hear this feast day also as Michaelmas, or Michael Michaelmas. Um, that's kind of the traditional uh, name for this feast day today, but it's like Michaelmas plus some other friends. So some ways to celebrate, Of course, there's the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, um, which uh, is a great prayer to be praying after every Mass, but in a particular way, a great prayer to pray on this feast day. Um, You can go back and read the stories of the archangels in the Bible that I mentioned. Um, And then I'm going to link to a book. It's called Draw and Tell Saints. I've been kind of waiting for the right time to share this particular book. It is a a book for kids. And they walk you through, you know, kind of like a learn to draw book where they take you through step by step. Here's how to draw a cat or a dog, except for what they do is they're based upon feast day. So they have a bunch of feast days and each feast day has a different item that you draw and they teach you how to draw and it has to do with that feast day. And the reason I'm telling you about it now is because if you go on Amazon and you, I'll put the link here. So you go to the book and you click on the look inside feature and that's the example one they give you is the one for the feast of the archangels and it's how to draw an archangel and it's really cute because it's not just how to draw but they kind of tell a little story with it so as you draw each part of the angel you like read about the archangels as you do it so anyway that's a fun one um, that was a homeschooling resource that I loved um I, I need to pull it out now that um that my, my youngest is, is kind of getting the age where she would really enjoy those kinds of things. So, uh, finally food, (laughs) there are a large amount of food traditions for this feast day. It's kind of a bit out of control. I can't go into why each of these countries eat these particular foods, but, um, yeah, Michaelmas was a big day is a big day of feasting, um, throughout the world. So first of all, let's go non-traditional, Of course, you can make an angel food cake today. Also, the reverse of that, some people make a devil's food cake and then they like have St. Michael defeating it. So they like put a little cutout or get little like cocktail swords and, you know, defeat the devil, the cake devil, because that's fun. Um, Tradition also holds that this is the last day to eat blackberries for the season. Because for, uh, yeah, the tradition is, is that blackberries are no longer good after this feast day. Because the devil spat on them on his way from heaven to hell. So I'm sure there's more there, um, but there's a connection with blackberries. So this is the farewell to blackberries day, uh, if you want to have some blackberries. And then just some traditions from around the world. In the British Isles and in Poland, goose is eaten. Um, <clears throat> not sure why. Uh, in France, they have waffles. In Scotland, they have St. Michael's bannock, which is like kind of like a scone-like cake. Um, and in Italy, they have gnocchi for this feast day. So those are some traditional foods. So pick your favorite and uh, join in with those traditions. Other celebrations of note this month, just so we can round out and you know what's going on. September 3rd is Pope St. Gregory the Great. It's his memorial. He was the pope from 590 to 604. He's a doctor of the church. And... Um, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Anglican Church, the Lutherans, we all honor him as a saint. So that's why he's a Pope St. Gregory the Great. On the 13th is St. John Chrysostom. His memorial is that day. He is a bishop, also a doctor of the church. We have a ton of doctors this month. Pretty much everyone was a doctor of the church this month for some reason. Um, but John, so he lived in the 4th century, and Chrysostom is actually not his last name, which is kind of cool to know. It is Greek for golden-mouthed. Um, And it was kind of like a a name you earned for eloquence in preaching. So, you know, that's a goal for you to set to one day be a, you know, your name, Chrysism, because of your awesome golden mouth to preaching. On the 15th is Our Lady of Sorrows. We talked about that a little bit already. So you can refer back to that for some things to do. On the 17th, is the optional memorial to robert bellarmine who is a doctor of the church i told you lots of doctors he's one of the famous jesuits Uh, he was buddies with aloysius gonzaga and francis de sales and all those people who have colleges named after them but i don't want to focus on him because there's an even cooler saint that's not on the calendar i'm not quite sure why but it's saint hildegard of bingen i'm probably saying that wrong anyways We have to pause here because she's awesome. So she's a doctor of the church. So there are tons of male doctors of the church. I believe there's only four females. I could be wrong on that, but I think there's four females. And she was a 12th century Benedictine abbess from Germany. So she was beatified in 1326, but she wasn't canonized until May of 2012, which I think is awesome, 600 years later. And, of course, she was canonized by the German pope, Pope Benedict. So he was like, hey, wait a minute why haven't we done this yet? I love, I love how he can, he can do that. So she was a woman of many, many talents. She was an artist, an author, a composer, a a mystic. She was a poet, a preacher, a theologian, and a pharmacist. And she used her understanding of medicine, particularly for diet. And so she would talk about these foods of joy. And I know this sounds like super like, Whole 30 new agey weird, but like this is legit. This She was just given these amazing insights into food. And so she would write her own recipes. And she just had this holistic, healthy approach to diet into food that was way, way ahead of her time. And so you can buy cookbooks that take St. Hildegard's recipes. So I'm going to link to from St. Hildegard's Kitchen is one. And another one is uh, Hildegard of Bingen's Medicine. Um, so you can, if you are a foodie, these would be some pretty cool things to look into to add to your cookbook collection, um, recipes that a saint wrote a long time ago. So obviously she, you know, used very basic, very basic, um, ingredients. I knew the word would come to me. Ingredients. That's what you put in recipes. Okay. Next is the Feast of St. Matthew. He was the apostle who was a tax collector on the 27th. Oh, sorry. Matthew's feast day is the 21st. The 27th of September is Vincent de Paul. That's his memorial. He's the priest who's known for his great charity, most famously. And many churches have St. Vincent de Paul societies uh, where their aim is to serve the poor. That's after this Saint Vincent de Paul. And then on the 30th, we have St. Jerome, who is a biblical scholar biblical scholar who's best known for translating the bible from greek and hebrew into latin that was kind of his greatest work so that's it there we go liturgical lowdown for the month of september so as always your how-to challenge for this month is to pick two things that you're going to do and i promise i'm going to do a lot better job in the future here um now that we're almost completely moved in and uh uh, share a couple of these things that we're doing in our home on Instagram using the hashtag #howtocatholic, and I'd love it if you join in. And I know some of you have done this a little bit here and there, um, but if you're going to do something fun, um, go ahead and share it with the uh, the world using the hashtag #howtocatholic. So, for all the links to the ideas. Prayers, resources, books that I shared. You can find them in the show notes at made2magnify.com. Until next month, be saints. It's worth it.